Whatever. Does it really take our lead pastor to get you to do that? That should be every week. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, man, my name is Brian Haas. So glad that you are here. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being part of what God is doing in our church. And as you just heard from Chris, man, lots of things to celebrate. If you're on the side of, of people that really don't care about, and you're like, EC, I don't even know what that means. Hey, that's okay. But for those of you that do care, that really is a big, big deal. It is a big deal, but know that it's especially a big deal to us as a leadership of this church. Um, and you, you entrust us with not just your kids and your students and, and hours of your day, uh, but when you give to God through Mountain Lake Church, we want you to trust that. And so this is just another way uh, that we, we go out of our way to become good stewards with what God is blessing us with, the time, the, the resource, as well as just you and your family. So it most certainly is a big deal. So thank you so much for just being part of that and being faithful in that process. So big deal. For us, well, as you can tell, I brought uh, my entire dining room uh, home or uh, to church with me today, uh, minus the kids and, and the family and everything. That would make for a very interesting illustration having them up here with me. Uh, but what's interesting about a, a dining room table or just a dinner table in general is if you were to be a fly on the wall at my home when we're circled around this table, um, you probably wouldn't cheer so loud oh, when I come up on stage. <laughs> you, would, you would see and hear things that are, are very unique to just a family being a family people interacting, and there's something unique and special about a dinner table. You go to somebody's house and you have dinner with them. You invite them over to your house and have dinner with them. You go out to a restaurant and you have dinner with people. You learn a whole lot about people around this kind of a table. Even more so, you learn how you are around other people. It, it is so telling to just be around this table or one like it. You learn so much about yourself. You learn so much around the people around you and just that whole group dynamic nothing is more telling than a dinner table and as we go through this series of human versus human what I want us to see this morning is what does that mean for us you know if we're we're going to interact with people throughout our day I mean that's just it's life right we're around other people obviously but how do we approach them how do we view them maybe maybe the better question and I believe as we're going to see in scripture this morning I believe that the dinner table is going to show us just that how we view other people, how we see other people is very evident around a table just like this. The, the scripture that we're going to look at this morning is actually Jesus doing just that. Jesus is around a scene that we're around throughout our week, around the dinner table with other people. And he observes something that I believe if we were to sit around a dinner table with Jesus, he may observe something very similar. So let's look at what, what happens here. If you've got your Bibles, head over to Luke chapter 14. Luke 14, we're going to stay right there. I'll put the scriptures up behind me so you can follow along. Starting in verse 1, this kind of sets the tone as well as sets the scene for what is about to happen. Luke chapter 14, verse 1 says, One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully what? Watched. Carefully watched. And if you know anything about the relationship Jesus had with the Pharisees, this makes a lot of sense. That the Pharisees are watching Jesus very carefully, waiting to see if he, if he does something wrong, if he missteps, if he misspeaks, if, if he does something that they might be able to use against him. So it's obvious that there is some kind of other agenda with this dinner party, with this, this moment that they find themselves sitting around a dinner table. And we have relationships like that, right? You get invited over to somebody's house, like, what do they really want? Why are they inviting us over? Or you, you invite people over, you invite your neighbors over, and there's always, especially if it's the first one, the first kind of interaction, you invite each other over, and you're just like, 
what do you want? Are you wanting anything? There, there's kind of this just tension of what do you want? Why are we here? What, what is going to happen? Because so, there's such an unknown. Even with the people that we do know, sitting around this table, we can have relationships like that. So here's what Jesus does. He actually does, if you read through the, the next few scriptures, he does something very out of the norm. Read through it this week. Great little, great little story that sets up what Jesus does next. So scroll down to verse 7. So he's in the home of this prominent Pharisee. And they're watching him closely to see what he does, to see what he says, to see if they could use something against him. Verse 7, when he, talking about Jesus, when Jesus noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. Now hold on there for a second because Jesus noticed something. He says it. it says he noticed how they picked their seats. And there's that phrase there. In our language, it's several words, a phrase of the place of honor at the table. Literally, in, in the original language, that's just one word. Now, one word that we translate, the place of honor around the table, they have a word for it. And in fact, that word is broken up into two words that smush together, and literally it means first seat, best seat, first place even. So what you would have in that, in that culture is you would have a, a seat that the host would sit in. In this case, it is a prominent Pharisee. It's his, it's his party. It's his dinner. He's invited everybody over, so he would sit most likely at the head of the table. And then you have all these other seats. And what he noticed was how the rest of these guests chose their seats. And he says, that's interesting. I'm picking up on something. And how they chose who would pick the best seat or the first seat, which would be this one here. Because if you sit in this seat right here, you're in closest proximity to the host. Or again, in this case, this prominent Pharisee. So this was the seat that everyone would have wanted to sit in. And Jesus was watching, observing, and noticed how this was happening. And he said, I've, I've noticed something, everybody. Now, understand, this would have been very, very unusual for a guest of the party to kind of interrupt the party, <laughs> interrupt dinner, and say, hey, I've noticed something. Can I tell you a quick story about what I've seen? Very unusual, but Jesus, as we know, he crosses all kinds of bounds. So he tells them this parable, a short story that gets a point across. And so after he noticed what they had done, here's what he says, verse 8, here's the parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor or the, the first seat, the best seat. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come to you and say, give this person your seat. And nobody would want that, right? You, you take the first seat, the best seat in the, in the entire, at the entire table, and your host has to come to you and say, yeah, that's actually for some, that seat's taken, if you know that phrase. <laughs> sets for somebody else so you need to go sit down there because i have this spot saved for somebody else nobody would want that to happen to him and jesus speaks to that then humiliated that would be of course a humiliating moment then humiliated you will have to take the least important place verse 10 but when you are invited here's what he says instead take the lowest place so that when your host comes he will say to you friend move up to a better place then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests and he sums it all up verse 11 is is here's what i'm trying to tell you guys verse 11 for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted so jesus is at this dinner table and he recognizes and observes what's going on i would call this the the drinking fountain effect Right? If, if you have kids, you've seen this. If you have just been around kids, you've probably witnessed something. It's you take a whole group of kindergartners and you say, all of you at the same time, go get a drink of water and just watch what happens. Just watch. If you've never seen this before, I dare you to try it. <laughs> go, 
Don't do it here. Don't you dare do that here. Go to somebody else's kids in some other location and just say, okay, kids, everybody go get a drink of water at the same time. And you will just see the elbows come out, the push and the shove. And I was here first. You wait your line. You're taking too long. Move out of the way. That's what was happening on some kind of a scale here. Because as the host invited a bunch of people, they begin to jockey for status and position. There's only one of these seats, yet everyone wants to sit in this seat. So they do whatever they can to position themselves to move to a place where they can finally, one of them at least, would have the best seat. Remember that word, that first seat, the seat of honor at the table. This is where they would want, but obviously not everybody could get here. And so they would do whatever they could, manipulate and, and come up with their own schemes and plans on how they would be able to get in this seat because it's the very seat to the right of the host. Jesus says, I see what you're doing, and you're doing it wrong. You're doing it backwards. He says, this seat, yes, is the most important seat, but should you be the one to take it first? Now, I recognize that in our culture, this seat is, is not necessarily a physical seat, um, unless at your house you have seats of honor uh, that your kids, depending on their day, get to sit at. I don't know if that's the case or not. We do, though. I've shared this before. We have what's called a special plate in our house. And uh, the, the only rule with the special plate is you can't give the special plate to yourself. Do you know how difficult it is to explain that rule to a five and three-year-old? <laughs> it's very difficult. But it's the same concept. You want to be recognized. You want to be important. You want people to notice you. That's what it is. So let me ask you this question. What is this seat for you? In your context, in your environment, family environment, your community, your neighbors, your work, your job, you, what is this seat that you're trying to get? What is that status you're trying to achieve? What is what is it about you that you're trying to portray? So, so this person, doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, but this person needs to see me in this seat so that, fill in the blank, so that I'm important enough, so that people pay attention to me, so that I can be noticed. What is that seat for you? Because what we do is exactly what kindergartners do at the water fountain and what these most likely religious leaders did in the home of a prominent Pharisee. They did whatever they could to get in that one seat. And Jesus said, time out. Let me tell you what I see. I see what you're all trying to do, but what's going to happen is you're all going to be humiliated or disappointed. He said, there's a better way and another way. And in fact, it's, it's upside down. Jesus is doing what I would call, he, he's giving kingdom culture, kingdom of God culture, which is very different than the culture we live in. This culture and even our world's culture says, yes, do whatever you can to get in this seat, to be noticed, to be, to be known Show that off, right? Exalt yourself. Jesus is saying, no, turn that upside down. Verse 11, remember what it said? Those that exalt themselves will be, do you remember what it said? Will be humbled. And those that humble themselves will be, yeah, it's, it's literally upside down from what they were doing. But that's what he calls us to. He calls us to humble ourselves, that'd be humility, have humility as we approach relationships, any relationships. Now understand that humility is, is not just thinking of yourself as, as worthless. And humility is not degrading yourself. Humility is not ignoring what, what you need to be doing about yourself. It's, it's none of those. It really has nothing to do with self-esteem and self-confidence. No, a great definition actually came from Rick Warren, his Purpose Driven Life. He said this to define humility. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. That's, that's humility. 
It's not thinking less of yourself and lying about yourself, putting a different perception off. No, it's, it's just thinking of yourself less. In other words, it's thinking of other people, not less, but more, putting their interests ahead of your own. So Jesus comes up with an idea and says, here's what you should do. And remember, he's talking to the guests of this party that he just called a timeout of as they were kind of squabbling for that seat. And he says, here's what you're trying to do. What if you approached people with humility? Instead of trying to get that seat, what if you sat all the way down here first? What if you sat at, instead of the best seat in the house, what if you sat in the worst seat or the least seat? This is a seat of humility. It's far away from the prominent Pharisee at the other end of the table. It allows other people to, to be known and maybe to be recognized more than you because we, we choose to sit, as Jesus would say, choose to sit at the least seat. Now let me show you something that's, that's interesting about this seat versus that seat. When you sit at that seat, your eyes and focus is on the head, right? Makes sense. That's why you're getting in that seat, to be noticed and to be in close proximity. And you don't see anybody else. When you sit at the least seat, look at the view that I have. It's broader, isn't it? I see a lot more. When you sit at the least seat, you see so much more. You notice people. You see people. You pay attention to their interest over yours because that's humility. Growing up, my dad called this, turn on the light. Turn on the light, Brian. And what he meant was, there's other people in the room with you. <laughs> He would tell my sister and that all the time. We'd be complaining about something or whining about something. We could just be saying anything. And he'd say, time out, turn on the light. And what he was saying is, you're not the only one here. The world doesn't revolve around you, Brian. Turn on the light and lo and behold, there's other people that matter. There's other people in here. Turn on the light. That's what Jesus is saying. Turn on the light. It's not just about you in that seat. Turn on the light and it's easier to see at the least seat. He turns it upside down on. So what is it that you're trying to jockey for? What's the status? We do that in our culture. We, my goodness, we might not be, be calling people Pharisees these days, but we most certainly <laughs> jockey for position and status. That seat just looks a little bit different in our time, but we most certainly are trying to get it. So that's what he does. He, he starts out and says, here's what I'm noticing, and he talks to the guests. But then he turns his sights, and Jesus begins to talk to the host. You thought it was rude for him to talk to the guests that way. Now you're talking to the host a little bit differently. You talk about very rude. Here's what Jesus does in verse 12. After he talks to the guests, gives them that upside-down culture of, hey, instead of being exalt, exalting yourself, humble yourself. Verse 12, then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors, which I don't know why. That sounds like that's probably who I would invite to my dinner. He says, if you do... They may invite you back so that you will be repaid. And still we're thinking, what's wrong with that? That sounds like a pretty good arrangement. That, those are my friends. Verse 13. Here's the upside down piece. Here's the kingdom culture. Verse 13. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the cripple, the lame, the blind, and you will be, what's it say, church? Blessed. And you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Interesting, huh? He says, host, let me talk to you now. Because remember, the host is sitting at the head of the table. He's sitting over here. And he's invited all of these other people. And Jesus says, what was your filter for inviting these people? You only have a limited number of seats. You can only have so many guests. What was the determining factor of who got the invite? 
And we've all been in this seat before, right? It, it's on your wedding, you're, you're trying to figure, or your wife, you're, the, the bride is figuring it out. Husbands, we just say, sounds good. <laughs> and we say, well, who gets to come? Because we can't invite everybody, so we have to invite, you know, as many as we possibly can. It's your kid's birthday party. Well, who are we going to invite? And you start going through the list of who you have to invite. Well, we have to invite these people. We should invite these people. We want to invite these people. And, well, sorry about your luck to the last of them. They're not going to make the cut, right? We've all gone through that in some form or fashion of who we, and it's not so much the dinner table, understand? It's who we invite into our life, who we allow to be close to us, who we interact with, who we choose to be friends with, who we choose to work with and work for. All of those relationships, we go through some kind of a deciding filter to begin to say, here's who I'm allowing at my table. And Jesus turns it upside down. He says, you've invited people to the table that have something to bring to the table. He says, what if you invite people to the table that have nothing to bring? Nothing whatsoever. Because as this prominent Pharisee, this prominent leader, he invited people that would probably help him position even higher. You invite the right people, you, you invite the, the right people at the right time to the right place and at this table, and his position increases. His respect would be increased. His authority may be increased. He gets the right people around him, but he also would have some kind of a reason, just like we all would. We would all have some kind of an agenda. We're going to invite this person to the wedding because I know the gift they're going to bring is awesome. Make sure they get an invite. We have a reason, Right? So the question is, when we invite people into our life, why? Let me pose this question. Do you, do you give to get or do you give to give? And here's what I mean by that. Oftentimes, we view relationships as, as good deals, right? Good partnerships. This, is, this works well because I give and then I get. I'm going to give into this relationship and then you're going to give back into me. You're going to give back into this relationship. That's not, I mean, yes, it's a relationship, but that's just a deal. That's all we've done is, well, if I give this and I get, that's called a good deal. But we treat our relationships like good deals, and we walk away from it when it's no longer a good deal. That's a little too convicting, isn't it? <laughs> as soon as the deal doesn't work for me, I walk away from it. And Jesus says it has nothing to do with what they can give you. It has nothing to do with the fact that they could repay you. Invite people to your table that have nothing to offer. So do we give to get or do we give to give, period? See, when we give to give, it takes out all the hidden agendas. It takes out all the selfish ambitions and motivations. Because if I had people sit at this table that have nothing to offer me, I have no position. I get no gain. There's nothing that benefits me in this seat when I fill these seats with people that have nothing to offer. Instead of positioning yourself and using people to get a higher position or to position yourself in the right way in the company or in the family or whatever that context might be, what if we intentionally positioned ourselves so the only position is to serve others, to give others? That's a whole different way. There's that upside-down culture that Jesus is pushing towards. Instead of using people to increase your position, position yourself so that the only thing that you can do is give and serve. Now, we probably wouldn't want to use this word, and it, it would be accurate, but at the same time, uh, we can have a good heart and a good motivation behind it. But what's happening usually in our relationships with that give-get mentality is we're really viewing people as just a resource, and we're using people. See, how we view people 
It impacts and most certainly will, will influence how we treat people. How we view people will impact how we treat people. And if you view people as, hey, this just needs to be a really good deal. This needs to make sense. I give and then I get, I give and you give back. That's using people. That's using someone for your gain. Instead of Jesus saying, no, give to just purely and simply give. If giving and get is, is using people, giving to give is recognizing their worth. Let me explain that. Giving just to give, to invite people at your table that have nothing to offer, that benefits you in no way. You look at these people that sit around the table that you've invited into your life and says, you got this invitation to sit at the table because you're just worth it. I don't get anything out of it. You're, you're, you're according to God, a child of God. How we view people, remember, is it's going to indicate and, and determine how we treat people. So if we begin to view people like God views people, we'll treat them like God treats them. We'll treat others the way he desires us to treat them. And that's worthy, that they are worth, they, are, they have worth to sit at this table even though they have absolutely nothing to offer and absolutely nothing to bring. Do we give to give? Or do we simply give because we want to get something back? Do we use people? Do we view people as a resource, as a tool, as a mechanism for upping our position and getting what we want and what we need? Or do we see people the way God sees them? He says, you're worthy to be called a child of God, so you are worthy to sit at the table of my life. Now, let me help you understand, because we could take this to an extreme. And um, in this in this description that Jesus is walking through and, and helping these people understand. Remember what the setting was of the parable? Where were they? He says, imagine you were at a, remember what it was? A wedding feast. Yeah, it was a very social event. He's not putting this in context of, of business or the workplace. And usually if somebody has a question, well, but in business, I mean, it, ha it, it's, it is a give and get. I mean, I just can't give away product to give away product. Yes, and, and there's some limitations to that. But but understand, this kingdom culture, this kingdom principle of humility, of humbling yourselves instead of exalting yourself first, and the idea of just inviting people to the table to add value and to give and to serve instead of what can I get out of it, that is making its way into you know, our modern-day culture. In fact, uh, several years ago, um, there's a book, and uh, read through a lot of leadership books just trying to, to grow myself, some of them Christian, some of them non-Christian, and, and, and great wisdom um, in, in many of those. And I ran across this book, and it was written by a guy that was high up in sales. I mean, he was like the sales guy, recognized as one of, one of the top 20 salespeople in, in, in the country. And uh, the book that he and another guy wrote is, it says on here, even a global bestseller. So, I mean, there's some wisdom coming out, of, coming out of these guys, specifically for those in sales and in the business world. And the entire book hinges on this, this statement. He says, your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other, others' people's interests first. Let me say that again. Your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, I remember reading through that book, and I got to that, and I'm like, but that sounds familiar. Oh, yeah, Jesus said that. <laughs> I'm like, that's great that you have sold like a million copies, but it says it right here. I was like, now, I don't know if they're Christians, if they're not Christians or what, but I'm like, give Jesus a little credit in there <laughs> because it does make sense. And regardless of what your context is, Jesus isn't anti-networking, so don't take it to that side of it. 
I'm a Rotarian, part of the Rotary Club here in Dawson County, and part of that is, yes, serving the community, but also networking. You get to know people. You find people that are in similar businesses or different industries, and, and they are mutually beneficial relationships. There's a place for that. But how we view people impacts how we treat people. And that's the premise of this book, and it's most certainly the premise of what Jesus is getting across here. How are you viewing yourself in a relationship, but also how do you view other people in those relationships? Is it just a really good deal that works for now? And when it doesn't, you walk away? Do we, do we walk in puffed up saying, I deserve to sit at this seat? I need to be known. I need to be understood. I need everybody to see me. Or do we put other people's interests first and we take, take a seat at the lowest seat? What seat are you currently sitting in? Well, maybe I should ask, what, what seat are you trying to sit in? And when you sit in the head seat, when you're the one doing the inviting, who do you have sit in other seats? God sees us as children of God, and we are worthy. When Jesus invited us to sit at the table with him, guess what? None of us have anything to offer. Jesus inviting us to his table doesn't benefit Jesus whatsoever. He gets no gain by us sitting at his table. We get all of it. We get the game. Jesus looks at this dinner table setting and says, wow, these relationships are very broken. They're broken because they're upside down. So let me just ask you that question. What relationships are currently not working for you? Is it marital problems? Is your marriage breaking or broken? The relationship with your kids just not working Maybe it's extended family. There's, there's tension there. The relationships just aren't working. The relationship you, you have with your employees or your employer, man, they're just not working. The relationships you have with your next door neighbors or your community, people at your kids' schools, it's just not working. You go through the list of all of your relationships, which one or ones are not working. Turn it upside down. Turn it upside down. Instead of coming into those relationships and viewing yourself in a high manner, exalting yourself, walk into that relation and, and view yourself in a humble way, in a humble manner, with humility. Remember, it's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Do you view those other people, do you view the person in that relationship as a means to an end, as just a resource, as a tool, I gotta get something out of this? Or can you invite people to the table that can't repay you at all? What's interesting, though, is remember what Jesus said, you do that, you turn this upside down, you will be blessed. I'm not saying this is going to fix your relationships overnight. I'm saying it's a good start. Turn your relationships up to, upside down. Walk into those relationships with humility and view people as worthy because that's how Jesus sees them. There's another passage I just want to show you real quick out of Philippians. Because Jesus, although he's saying all of these things, he doesn't just say it to say it. He shows us and he models and he gives us the example Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3, here's what we're told. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in, what's it say? Humility. Rather in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. That's humility. It says, do that. Verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind Jesus Christ had. So in all of your relationships, which ones aren't working? Start there. Have the same mindset, have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And here's the attitude, here's the mindset that he had. 
Verse 6, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, the position that Jesus has as God, he didn't use that to benefit himself. No. Instead, verse 7, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So even though he is God, he did not use his, his equality with God as something to be used to his advantage or benefit him in any way. He humbled himself to be like us and to serve us, to give to give, not give to get, to give to give. Why? Because we're his kids. We're worthy to sit at his table, not because of what we bring, but because who we are to him and how he views us. Therefore, verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We don't benefit Jesus by what we bring to the table. He benefits us. Understand that Jesus came because, first and foremost, our relationship with God was very broken. Because of the sin in our life, our relationship was broken. So God said, well, what's the fix? Let's turn it upside down. Instead of trying to make them earn it, do whatever they can to get the most prestigious and best seat in the house, work really hard, let's turn it upside down. I'll send my one and only son, Jesus, to become like them and to die for them. Our relationship with God is fixed because Jesus humbled himself. And then, because of that, then Jesus, his name was exalted by God. If you don't have a relationship with him, that relationship will continue to be broken. And there's nothing you can do, there's no seat you can sit in that will fix that. You accept his invitation to come to this table. And the only reason we get to sit at his table is because he sees us as worthy, as his kids. In our relationships with one another, that's what Jesus has shown us. He's, it's not just about being saved for eternity. It's about living on this earth as well, on heaven and on earth. What if we dealt with our relationships the way that Jesus dealt with us? With humility and viewing people as worthy. That's it. Instead of giving to get, we give to give. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you so much for seeing us as worthy and not seeing us as just what we can offer. You love us so much that you gave your one and only son, Jesus, to fix our relationship. And the only way that it could truly and forever be fixed was through your humility and your sacrifice. So God, may we have that kind of mentality in our own relationships, the relationships that aren't working, the relationships that are based on deals rather than grace and love and forgiveness and worth. God, Help us to recalibrate how we view other people, how we even view ourselves, that we view ourselves with humility. We view ourselves as a, as a way to serve and to give one another, not just to get something out of it. So God, make it clear through your Holy Spirit, what seat are we trying to sit in? And may we be willing to sit at the lowest seat for the good of others. And when we sit at the head of the table, May we invite people into our life. May we invite people to our table that have nothing to offer other than the fact that they are seen as worthy in your eyes. May we see people the way you see them. Therefore, may we treat people the way you treat them. Help us to give to give. 
and to build our life on the example you have shown us through Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray.